Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show. You can hear Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. Portions of this show have been pre-recorded. Uh, yeah, it's a podcast rebroadcast. All of it is pre-recorded. You big dummy! Let me see if I've got it already here. Yeah. Chairs in place. Okay. A cup of coffee here. Situated, which chair is up against the door to the radio station, so no one can get in here to uh, throw me off the air like I usually do. And uh, Alan Sanders is coming into the studio with his steaming hot. Uh, Took br- me a second. That he's has here in the studio with him. Well, you had morning. the door jammed up. <laughs> well, I, I get I'll, locking I'll it, but you're supposed to wait for me to be in. <laughs> I thought I put the chair against the studio door that goes outside. I put it against the studio door. Yeah, see, so, and oh, sorry, I'm, like, I'm like, block that one. I felt like Rick Moranis in the hall. Hey, let me in. <laughs> I need somebody to do my taxes. <laughs> Look at you. You've got your nine and three quarters platform t-shirt on this yes, morning. Sir. Your Harry Potter t-shirt by the way well you know we we're we're subscribers of hbo max many people are and hbo finally made the transition they own all the harry potter you go into their library and there is the harry potter collection you just click that and then it opens all the movies and so we've been slowly going through a little marathon you know can i share something that concerns me just a little bit about streaming services and stuff this is what this is what gives me a little moment to pause and i I don't think it's going to happen but i'm kind of worried Everybody's like, why do you still own uh, DVDs and Blu-rays? I'm like, well, I just I have copies of things that I want, that I want to watch whenever I want to watch them. Well, you know, I, I'm kind of worried that sometimes streaming things are going to come and they're going to go. And sometimes I've went on to stream to watch something, and I can't find it. It's right. not available. Okay, I have a copy of that, so I can watch it even though it's not available. That's the main reason I still have DVDs and Blu-rays, because... Of the things that can be taken away, mm-hmm. you know, or, or 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 you know, it's there, but then it's not there. It's not guaranteed that I'm going to be able to watch that stuff anytime I want. Right. So that's really, and it's not because I'm an old idiot. Well, it is. That's part of the reason. But it's not just totally that reason that I'm old and I want to hang on to the old platform. I just want to have the media, TV show, documentary, movie, whatever the thing may be. I just want to still have it to be able to watch it anytime well, I want. My wife and I had that discussion. We started buying the digital copies. Yeah. And we have, and, and you can click, you know, your little That's icon great. says, yeah. visit your library. I'm like, oh, look at all these. We can go back and rewatch. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we both looked at each other and I said, what if we decide we don't want to pay for this service anymore? Yeah, what right? happens to what yeah. we purchased for our library? Does it go away? So here's what they tell you. Well, you won't be able to access it unless you're a subscriber. But if you choose to come back, it'll still be we'll, there. We'll have it there for you. We won't delete your oh, file. We'll just archive it, it. So it's I was a, like, so, so wait a minute. So, so I paid for that. Yeah, but I don't really own it. Right. Unless so, I keep paying for the monthly fee. So you're just you own. It's like you own a library, a giant library, and. You have the key to get in to read all the books, but if you decide to not do that anymore, they're going to take the key away from you where you can't get in. Right. They're it's my like, books, like, but I can't get to like them. It's like you're really only renting them. 
you're a rent you're a, you rent stuff. Right. You're a renter. You're not an owner. Um, yeah, you're in a perpetual lease. It's right. not really your car. That's what I don't like about it. Now, if you download the movie onto your computer and you have it right. in your own computer, that's a different thing. You have right. that. But even then, what if the file gets corrupt? What if you? What if your cra- your drive crashes or something on your mm-hmm. computer? A lot of things can happen. The only thing, well, not much can happen with my own copy that I have in my you know, on my shelf at home, unless you know a house burned down or right. a tornado hits or something. But I think it's a more peace of mind secure way of thinking i still have all these you know james bond movies i have all these star trek movies star wars harry potter this television series that television series i still have a lot of it my own copies of it that i can hold in my hand and uh, i still haven't made the switch when it comes to comic books reading comic books is now a lot of people read them online mm-hmm. They're digital copies of comic books i'm like that's cool and i and don't get me wrong i don't hate technology i love moving forward in tech technological advancements and stuff but there's something about holding a paper comic book in your hand and even in the old days they were printed on paper where you can mm-hmm. smell the ink the little vinegary smell of them being you know you know papers sitting around for a long time that book smell you know you go into a bookstore it smells like books an old antique store there might be a reason that's for that. what i like yes yeah, true too <laughs> it may have a couple of cats in there too no, but, <laughs> but but that's what i like about being able to do that. Now, later mm-hmm. comics were put on this glossy paper that's not so much like that anymore because the, the technology got better. Now, a lot of people are reading, oh, you want the complete collection of Spider-Man? You can get it on, uh, you can download it. Right. Uh, every issue and read it on your screen. I'm like, that's cool, but it's not the same. It, there, it is, of course, it's not the same. It's just different. So that's my that's my little fear in the back of my head about str- my streaming movies that well, I have. Well, we're I in the exact same boat, but I will tell you, so what the wife and I have done, we realize we're still spending basically the same amount of money right because we used to buy everything on blu-ray or dvd just to have the copy because we wanted it now we don't buy as many blu-ray and dvd right but we also know that there are certain movies like we want this movie forever so we will go buy that the rest of the money we think we're saving no we're renting still and we're still streaming and paying for services so it's the same entertainment bucket it's just shifting around the priorities a little so like all the marvel movies yeah we own those yeah because at some point in time if we decide we don't want Disney Plus, I still want to watch the Marvel and Cinematic that's Universe. Exactly how we do it, the way you just said. We still do that as well. Maybe yeah. we, I think we buy a few more copies of ourselves. Or rather, I do. But no, what's it's, killing it's, me it's is now moment. we want to talk about since we have 4K TVs everywhere, we want to get a 4K Blu-ray player so we can take advantage of the 4K TV. Right. Which means going back and rebuying the movies that I once owned on VHS, Again. then on DVD, and then on Blu-ray, and now I'm going to say, well, I've got seven copies of Jaws, but I don't have it in 4K. I start saying now you're going to buy your 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 twelfth copy of Jaws that's going to come out and replace that one again. I think that's the At one. At some that's point, been most you have replaced. to decide: is it an illness? <laughs> I think it is. I really think it is. And how much more clear can they get? I mean, they're pretty clear in 4K right now. Uh, I don't want them so clear till I see it's so clear that I see the imperfections in things. And that's happened too. When 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 I was first introduced uh, and taken to a friend's house, uh, I dropped by a friend's house, and he introduced me to first time I ever saw Blu-ray. And, and like 4K or Blu-ray, mm-hmm. this, this, whatever, uh, this wonderful thing. And I was watching his copies of Star Trek, the original series, with the with the jazzed-up CGI effects and the mm-hmm. remastered and everything. And I was watching it, and I'm like, wow, I've never seen this show like this. I mean, I'm not talking about the CGI. I'm just talking about the scenes that were shot just yeah. that were in the show anyway. And I'm like, I can see the, 
5 o'clock shadow on Leonard Nimoy's face. I can see up Shatner's nose. <laughs> I can see the earwax in uh, Sulu's ear. I can see it was, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, sometimes maybe it's too much detail. That that hazy television broadcast back in the day, the way they filmed on film, was kind of there for a reason because it hit a lot of stuff True. like that. I mean, well, here's really the thing clear. with the 4K TVs as we start to wrap up. Because the very first time I set up our first one, I looked at him like, this... Looks like I'm watching a soap opera. This looks terrible. Looks this is like, like shot on video. it's almost yeah. too clear. Yeah. And then I started reading online. You have to adjust certain settings. Right. Because they come from different people's perspective of what they think makes right. for a good picture. Yeah. And I learned there's ways to soften certain things to create the film look right. versus video. And plus, we were always used to seeing it a certain way for all our lives. Well, you, and all of a sudden, you, it shocked you into this. And you got to like, adjust wow. your settings. Don't, ex- don't just go factory settings. There's well, a reason why some screens will look better. And I mean, I love the 4K. But I still will set them up. There's no CGI here. It's VK on there. Well, I don't add stuff to the podcast, so listen for that. It's Liar. There. Oh, a microphony. And a phony at the mic. Get Whoa. there. <laughs> we will return after these messages. Your kids will love McDonald's Happy Meal. It's food and fun in a box. It's a hamburger or cheeseburger, regular-sized fries, regular-sized soft drink, and a McDonaldland cookie sampler. It all comes in a Happy Meal box with games, puzzles, jokes, and a prize. A prize? It's a hamburger or cheeseburger, regular-sized fries, regular-sized soft drink, a McDonaldland cookie sampler with games, puzzles, jokes, and a prize. I said Happy Meal. Nobody can do it like McDonald's can. Introducing a new way to take your pulse. Berlinetta, the sophisticated new Camaro from Chevrolet. The new Camaro Berlinetta is smooth, responsive, elegant, comfortable. With a supple new suspension system that is unique to the Berlinetta. A ride quieter than Camaro's past. Berlinetta is a beautiful way to move you. Body and soul. The Camaro Berlinetta from Chevrolet. It's a new way to take your pulse. Bastards! Why are you torturing me like this? Why? When it comes to shows about movies and comic books, heroes and crazy news, I tune into BK on the air from 10 to noon Saturdays. Greetings, fellow classic TV fans. The Cisco Kid aired on television from 1950 to 56 for a total of 156 episodes. It followed the vigilante adventures of the debonair Cisco, played by Duncan Rinaldo, and his trusty sidekick, Pancho, played by Leo Carrillo. Carrillo landed this his most renowned role at age 68, but had begun his acting career decades earlier on the vaudeville circuit and then on the stages of Broadway. Leo ultimately appeared in up to 90 movies, starring in multiple releases annually throughout the 1930s and 40s. His notable films included The Guilty Generation in 1931, 1940s 20 Mule Team, and John Ford's The Fugitive in 1947. The following year, he began playing Poncho on the big screen in The Valiant Hombre, which also happened to co-star a young Barbara Billingsley. They made four more Cisco Kid movie installments, which were The Gay Amigo, starring the soon-to-be-known Lone Ranger Clayton Moore, The Daring Caballero, Satan's Cradle, and 
finally, the girl from San Lorenzo. A true native of California, Leo Carrillo came from a prestigious and historic family line which can be traced back hundreds of years in the Golden State. His great-great-grandfather took part in Spain's 1769 Portola expedition, which was among the very first European explorations of California. They're credited with accidentally discovering the San Francisco Bay. In the 1800s, Carrillo's great-grandfather became the governor of Alta, California, which encompassed the bulk of the southwestern United States. In real life, Leo became a renowned preservationist. As a board member of the California Beach and Parks Commission, he was reportedly instrumental in the state's acquisition of the San Simeon Hearst Castle. He is honored with two stars on Hollywood Boulevard, one for film and one for television. The state of California honored his public service with a stretch of beach along Highway 1, officially titled Leo Carrillo State Park. This is Pat McCormick with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. You can also find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. And now back to BK on the air. WBHF. Thank you, Pat, for that trip into the Golden Rage of TV. I do want to get back to some James Bond stuff. We were, last week, we did a lot of James mm-hmm. Bond talk because the new James Bond movie opened. No Time to Die with Daniel Craig. I guess his last outing is James Bond. But we were giving out um, a lot of our favorites from the world of James Bond. What a, talk about a franchise that's lasted a very long time. And, by the way, the Marvel superhero movie franchise looks like it's... <laughs> probably on its way to go probably just as long as that or longer. I know things get old and they change, but and they change James Bond actors too from time to time. But uh, but yeah, so James Bond, No Time to Die is in theaters. Uh, I will give you a little uh, my review of it later on in the program day as we move along with the time constraints that we have. And we're going to talk about Shatner coming back to Earth. William Shatner, uh, a man who portrayed Captain Kirk on the original Star Trek television series, uh, lended his voice to Kirk for the animated series, went on to be in uh, several feature films of Star Trek in the 80s and early 90s, late 70s, or all the way through the early 90s. Several video games, lending his voice to Captain Kirk. Uh, Captain Kirk's been a, a long a part of his life for a long time. And a lot of people say uh, they make fun of the Rocket Man Elton John song that Shatner did. Well, you know what? He did become a Rocket Man this week. He actually blasted off uh, with the blue in the Blue Origin space vehicle rocket. Mm-hmm. Went into space, and I didn't know the, how long that lasted. It only lasts a few minutes, and they come back. I mean, it's over pretty quick. It's basically is, from launch to return about fifteen minutes. Yeah, which is which is still <laughs> fantastic. I'd still do it. It sounds like it's great. Think about how fast you clear fifty miles of atmosphere to be up there and back well, in fifteen minutes. He's going to say it in when he talks. So listen, listen to it. I'm going to have the soundbite of him recounting. What, what, how, how he felt coming back to Earth and what it was like, and he's very passionate about it. About it very, uh, very emotional about it because I don't hear he doesn't get very emotional in interviews, but in this one he did. So we'll we'll hear from William Shatner later uh, via NBC the Today Show. But I want to get back into James Bond. You and I gave our James our favorite James Bond actor last week. We talked mm-hmm. about our favorite film. What else did we do? We said what our favorite gadget was. Yours was the dart, the wrist dart launcher from yep. Moonraker, which is 
pretty cool, but uh, it's almost like a sp- that, it's almost the, like Spider-Man's web shooters. It's almost mm-hmm. in the same place. And then I did say Spider-Man. that a backup was the magnetic watch that you can take a zipper down of someone's dress. I like that. That's, oh yeah, yeah. That that was my backup. <laughs> that was great. To me, that was the most practical one for us to have. Yeah, but I would like to have the dart one too. My favorite was uh, gadget was the the mini jet from the beginning of Octopussy. Yeah. I love the mini little one man jet. I saw that opening and I'm like. That's a jet with just one man. It's like a hang glider with one person only. It's a jet. Yeah. <laughs> can't believe it's and when real. You asked it's it, not an effect. I was thinking gadget more what you wear or use versus maybe vehicle because... Well, I mean, it, but it, he only used that once. I mean, I, I consider the jet more of a gadget than a vehicle because his vehicles are like Lotus, BMW, Aston Martin. But, yeah, but there are but people yeah. who have their favorite vehicle. But hey, little Nelly, the helicopter that Sean Connery had too was fantastic too. But yeah, I love I love the gadget. Okay, little gadgets. I would love to have the watch from Never Say Never Again. Remember the watch that Sean Connery had in it? It had a laser on it because he was he he was he was in shackles in that castle, right? Uh, right. And he couldn't get out, so he took his watch and just lasered the mm-hmm. the, the, the the chains off, and that was that'd be kind of a cool watch be, to have. That would come in handy. <laughs> If you get bored out on the campsite, you got of course, a laser. Of if you don't watch. aim the laser correctly, you That's, might be handless. Yeah, yeah. How does he aim that? So yeah. So today, let's let's finish up because there's three categories to bond that I. Uh, and by the way, you can call in seven seven zero three eight six fourteen fifty if you want to review it and talk about No Time to Die. You can calling and calling and tell us about it or anything about James Bond. By the way, while we're on today. Uh, favorite title sequence, but let's face it, James Bond comes on has a very interesting way of coming on with the title sequence to every movie. Mm-hmm. They're all different. They're all very stylish, artistic. They have silhouettes of girls running around. They have uh, a, a lot of things in the title sequence that has something to do with the movie, like missiles or guns, just off camera, yeah, hard or, to know, uh, <laughs> or gymnastic poles and stuff like that. You just mm-hmm. don't see them. You're like, how are they doing that without a trampoline? You just don't see the trampoline. Mm. Guy named Maurice Maurice Bender was the guy that, who created the Bond title sequence back in the day, the one that you remember and know and love, and the one that they always try to try to emulate now. He's passed away. I think he passed away after uh, after A View to a Kill. You always knew it was a Bond film during the title sequence. It just had that look. Yes, you it got did. a song, and then you have the, the the cool things going on, and they're all different. Bond girl, who's our favorite Bond girl? Now I'm talking about you know, not necessarily who was the toughest one to help him. It's whoever you happen to like the best as a James Bond girl. I have a couple of them that really stand out that I really like. Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> not for that reason. And uh, favorite song. Uh, all the most of the bonds had a song, and we talked about it. There's mm-hmm. three of them that don't that have an instrumental opening. So, but that, I'm talking about songs with lyrics that they sing. What's your favorite? So let's go up first. Title sequence. Now, you you watched them. I watched them much more recently than you did. So, and leaving out Never Say Never Again because that's the movie that were they were not allowed to use the title. They didn't do the title sequence thing. They didn't use the James Bond theme at all in Never Say Never Again. They couldn't. They couldn't use a lot of the trademark things that Eon MGM Production owned. They can only adhere to the they could use the James Bond name. They could use the uh, the, the the story for Thunderball, which was mm-hmm. the screenplay, which was not copyrighted. I understand at the time by I think it's Kevin McElroy's the guy's name. That's why they were able to remake it. So. Leaving out that one and the other ones that aren't official Bond movies, I think my favorite title sequence of all the James Bond films, when you watch them, and they're all very cool. Uh, Some of the later ones are weird. But um, it's funny watching the newer ones try to emulate the old ones with CGI and stuff. They can can do it differently. They're much more clean. But they try to make it look 
artistic the way the old ones did. I think my favorite one, not may, not necessarily not my favorite song, but it is a great song, but my favorite title sequence to James Bond is The Spy Who Loved Me. If you watch the title sequence to it, how it looks, they got the they got actually Roger Moore's in the title sequence. Yeah. He comes up and shoot and points the gun at you and pulls the girl behind him in slow motion as a silhouette and, mm-hmm. and there's all these things. You have a lot of the ladies dressed up as as Russian soldiers. You see their silhouette marching by, you know, from Russia. It is a fantastic title sequence. A lot of the the Bond films are, but do you have you does the that's, title sequence stand out to you as that's your favorite? the exact one I was going to say? The Spy Who Loved Me. Spy Who Loved Me for it the is classic really or older Bond. I do think when they rebooted, or I said rebooted, when they brought Daniel Craig in for uh, Casino Royale, right? That sort of CGI movement, cartoony almost. Because it was different, right. yet it still kind of harkened back to the Bond yeah. with the they gun. Start, they started the CGI stuff with the Pierce Brosnan. Oh, film, I yeah. thought the, the Casino Royale one as a backup is my is my runner. That one is a really good one from the later ones because of the cards and the, right. and, and the card thing. And like if they really get cool. punched, they fall down, they turn into right. like the pieces <laughs> of the was card. A good one. I thought that was cool. It was but, really good So one. classic look, girls, silhouettes, Spy Who Love Me. Spy Love Me Contemporary would be... Casino Royale. And if you look at the Moonraker, which was the very next Bond film after The Spy Who Loved Me, they reused some of the same shots from Roger Moore from The Spy Who Loved Me. So Moonraker's title sequence is really cool, too. But I'm like, well, it was used in Spy Who Loved Me first. So that was cool. Live and Let Die is another really interesting title sequence from Roger Moore. It's fantastic. So there you go. That's that's not bad. And a lot of people, we can do it because we've actually seen them pretty recently. I watched every Bond film starting about a month ago. And I said this last week leading up to No Time to Die because I just wanted to watch all of them. So mm-hmm. I kind of – starting over a month and a half before this one opened – I could leisurely do it. I really could have leisurely done it when they first announced the opening of No Time to Die because it was delayed so many times. <laughs> and I heard somebody talk, somebody make a joke. They said, No Time to Die has been delayed so much that all the gadgets and the cars in the film are going to be out of date when it comes out. <laughs> oh, he's driving that old Aston Martin from two years ago. That's yeah, a, Nobody drives that's that That's a real now. old one, yeah. So. Fantastic. Let's move on to Bond Girl. Bond Girl. And some people object to the term Bond Girl. Well, I'm sorry. That's what they've been called for years. Bond lady, Bond women, the female lead yeah. of James Bond. We're going to think about it, take a break, and we'll oh, okay. come back and flash the audience because we're, we're running out of time. So I want to be able to think about it. I've got two in mind, but I may I may change because it's hard to choose some of the James I've Bond stuff. I've got two, but then I want a, I want a, a third option for an honorable cool. mention. That's cool. I have one that I thought... I want this Bond girl with me because she's really helping me fight. Then I have another one where like, oh, she's really gorgeous. So, oh, so Michelle Yeoh. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go two of those. You know, I'm going I'm to say, that. how'd you guess the one I'm talking about? Because, I mean, yeah, if I'm going to get into an actual great, fight. Yeah. Yeah, I want her with me. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, you go ahead. That's right. Yeah. They can make a movie about her and I'd watch it. Speaking of there, we got more Bond stuff and we'll flash the audience of the news, the weird, the strange, the bizarre, and all kinds of other stuff when we come back. Speaking of there. If Monday's bad or Tuesday's sad, make a Saturday. That's a Sunday. If Wednesday rains or Thursday's gray, make a Saturday. Looks like a Sunday. Instead of half a banana and a pineapple ring, add yogurt cream smooth. Pop a grape on top and that's a Saturday for you. Mm. Make a weekend treat any day of the week. Make a Saturday. Now that's a Saturday. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Remember, if for any reason you must leave your radio, please have the man at the door stamp your ear so you can listen again later. 
Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. I want to remind you there's a new bicycle shop in Cartersville. It's called Cartersville Bicycle Service and Supply. They offer maintenance and repairs of all bicycles as well as parts and accessories. Whether you're a veteran rider or just starting out, Cartersville Bicycle has what you need to get out and enjoy the roads and trails of northwest Georgia or anywhere you want to go on that bike that you've got. Stop in and see the shop. They're located at the corner of West Avenue and South Tennessee Street, and they're open every day. That's right, seven days a week, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or you can call them at 470-315-BIKE. That's 470-315-2453. Or just search Cartersville Bicycle on Facebook. Cartersville Bicycle, baby, where you can enjoy the ride. With Cartersville Bicycle Service and Supply. Well, we've reached the time here at BK on the Air where we like to... Each other? No. Wait, what? No. <laughs> I don't know. I've lost control lately, so I don't what know. What do you think I am? W-Y-X-E? Oh, no. That's Wait, you don't station. exist. It's not around anymore. That's why I can say it. It's not even around anymore. It transformed into a car museum. It went away. It went from the WYXC to the Savoy, which is fantastic. They're starting to post more and more stuff on social media, I noticed. So I'm kind of getting excited about their opening. 12-8. Here at uh, Hanner Carter's. Opening date. Savoy Auto Museum. That's oh, going to be so fun to go in there and see the different things. They're going to switch them out all the time. But look, I have the first news. From UPI. A tiny Tennessee town consisting of a home, four general stores, and a barn is being listed for sale with an asking price of seven hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. You know, Tennessee. you could. That's pretty cool to be able to say, "I own my own town." It could be the town of Water Valley, Murray County, is being listed online for that amount, and includes a creekside home that was built in nineteen hundred. The listing also includes a uh, four general stores that were built prior to nineteen hundred. Uh, the listing states it doesn't say here if they're open or not. It just says the stores are there. Two of the buildings include. And the sale have updated wiring and plumbing. Well, that's nice. <laughs> they have <laughs> good updated wiring and plumbing. Um, and the I wonder if they have Wi-Fi. And the listing suggests the property could become a bed and breakfast, or just be put to residential or commercial use. Well, that's kind of cool. Remember when uh, uh, Kim Basinger, I think, owned a lot or a lot of the the town she of Brazelton, Georgia. Brazelton, <laughs> yeah. Georgia. I think it's, she's from it that area. I think. Yeah. And I think. I don't know if she bought the town or bought a lot of real estate there or whatever. I don't know that she owned the town. Maybe she did. I don't know. But I think that's long since in the past. I don't know. Yeah. I've got the next news. I don't own a town. That's all I know. I do own some. I own a lot of buildings when we play Monopoly. I don't even own my own home, so well, it's not paid off yet. I do, thank goodness. Mine's not paid off yet. <laughs> and on my way and to... And even if it was, I don't think I'd be in charge. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but you could charge some things, though. I could. You could still charge some things. All right, we'll go to UPI. A British Columbia woman received an unusually ru- an unusual rude awakening when a meteorite crashed through her roof and landed on her pillow. That's in Canada, eh? Well, yeah. Okay, good. Just making sure. <laughs> Ruth Hamilton said she was asleep at her golden home when she became vaguely aware of the dog barking in the house. The next thing, there was a huge explosion and debris all over my face, she told CBC News. Hamilton said she got out of bed and turned the lights on, revealing something had punched a hole in her ceiling. I didn't know what else to do, so I called 911. Talking to the operator, she was asking me all kinds of questions, and at that point, I rolled back one of the two pillows I'd been sleeping on, and between them was the meteorite. Wow. Think about how close she came to maybe not being with us. You know what? And if that were to happen to me, that would be a lot more that would be a lot more cool and interesting that uh, uh he died of a heart attack uh 
taking a shower. He gets Sorry. killed by a space rock. I'm like, wow, a meteor. I can't believe that. It's just spectacular. Hamilton so. said the melt. A what? How big of a melon? That's huge. A melon-sized space rock had yeah, landed just inches from her head. There's different size melons. You have cantaloupe. You have yes, honeydew. There are. You have watermelon. You have. It's always good to have nice melons. How do you? Yeah, I love honeydew. I do. I like a good, good cantaloupe yeah, mixed with awesome. some honeydew. Steady. So Hamilton said the melon-sized space rock had landed just inches away from her head. A police officer came to Hamilton's home, and they initially suspected the rock may have been the result of construction at the nearby Kicking Horse Canyon. Ooh, what if it was an explosion that launched a piece of debris up, and she thought it was a meteorite? Well, still, melon-sized. When, when that happens, that's amazing. That's huge. But think about—they're saying that it doesn't have to be a very big asteroid or meteor to hit the ground to cause a lot of damage. They're right. Say, they're saying one the size of a school bus could cause a crater and a shockwave like you wouldn't believe. I'm like, because think how fast they're moving. That'd be that's bad. Just crazy. That'd be bad. Keep that meteor away from me. <laughs> I got the next news. <laughs> Uh, for another one from Canada. A Canadian Coca-Cola fan earned a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records by collecting 11,308 different cans issued by the soft drink company. I didn't know that they made that many different really? ones. Really? Gary Fing was named the Guinness World Record holder for the largest collection of soft drink cans, same brand that is Coca-Cola, when his collection was tallied and verified to be more extensive than the pre- previous record holder, an Italian man whose collection included over 10,000 Coke cans. Fing's collection includes a 1955 can that was one of the first to be produced by the company, as well as a commemorative cans from multiple decades of Olympic Games. And I do remember that when they did the Olympics. They did, remember, Coke bottles were mm-hmm. specialized, too, as sports and games. Uh, it also included an ultra-rare can designed for the 2016 Chicago Olympics, which never took place due to the Rio de Janeiro winning the bid for the Olympics that year, and I'd forgotten about that. The collection also features cans that were specially designed for drinking in zero gravity for the 1985 Challenger Space Shuttle mission (laughs) and a 1991 expedition to the Russian space station Mir. This guy's serious about his cans, his Coke cans that he's collecting. That's a lot of different ones to have. He's after all of them. you got somebody dealing with melons, now you got somebody so serious about their cans. Can job, that's fine. Feels like we've got a theme going here. We do have a theme. Why don't you read the next one? The thing said he doesn't, possess uh his dream coke can as so as because it doesn't exist yet quote i would love to have a can with my picture on it it would be a great addition to my collection he says well, so well that coke would have to make one for him because he can't just i mean he could do it himself but it wouldn't be an official wait, can, where do you so keep right. that collection that i many don't know cans. you gotta have a lot of and i'm assuming that you have to, for them to have value they can't have been opened and they, they can't be uh they have to be like in a right environment you know so they won't get damaged or anything or rust or moisture or anything like that so hmm. it's in the can <laughs> put in the <laughs> cut print check the gate kids today don't even know what that means no the, the, the saying oh we're finished with that film it's in the can it's in the can what does that mean and what so how do you use things. this rotary phone thing how do you do that <laughs> i got the next news <laughs> i'd hate to show someone uh, an old 70s or 60s model cash register they would go what in the heck do I do with this? I just figured the only way, I, I, I won't even need to worry about car alarms anymore. I just want to make sure the next car I buy is a manual transmission and no one's going <laughs> to be able right. to steal it. That's right. I've had so many throughout the years. Well, yeah, car alarms and they, today, what good are they? When they go off, they go, you, nobody cares. You, you get like, annoyed. Like, turn that off. Car alarm. By the way, the guy in the mask over there with the tool, turn that car alarm off. What Please are you doing? Stop. Just turn it off. <laughs> Police in Kansas said a wallet that was returned to its owner had been missing since the early... 
1970s. Uh-oh. The Great Bend Police Department said in a Facebook post that a wallet recently was turned into the department by a member of the public, and officers found several items, including a Social Security card and a driver's license inside, although the license had expired in 1974. Also, 74, so he had a ticket stub in it for the man with the golden gun, James Bond. Yeah. Wow. The, the department said officers were able to get into contact with the wallet's owner, who now lives in Lawrence, Kansas. The owner told police he had lost the wallet in the early 70s. Well, that makes sense if the license expired in 74. I didn't even have a wallet in the early 70s. I couldn't have lost one. I don't think I had a wallet until uh, like I was in... Uh, was your first one like mine, the Velcro wallet of the eighties? Yes, and it was a triple. It was a trifold. Yeah, it three times. Mine was camouflaged too. Like, oh, this yeah, is so cool. I think mine no one blue. will see my wallet <laughs> in my blue jeans, and you won't see it either if you drop it in the woods. <laughs> exactly, you my, can't my find it. Camouflaged. Oh no, it's camouflaged. <laughs> that was stupid. What's going on? I got the last news. <laughs> crazy think about that camouflage stuff when you're in the woods and you drop something there's a whole to, uh, george carlin routine about camouflage <laughs> <laughs> well i got the last news flash but we're going to, have to wait because we're coming up on a break oh but no. that's okay we're doing better than we usually do because sometimes the news flashes here le- lately have been lasting up till about 11 30 wrap eastern till it's in the can so we're going to yeah <laughs> what does that mean we only we only got one more to go we're going to take a break and we'll come back we'll have last it's a california man suing a los angeles psychic by the way uh, Shouldn't he have seen it coming? <laughs> Maybe the psychic would have seen it coming. What do you hear? What do you hear? What are you suing the psychic for? It's kind of funny to speak on the air. Not anymore. We use pizza in a skillet from Chef Boyardee. You really make it fresh in a skillet? Sure. Everything comes in the box. And you make it on top of the stove in just 15 minutes. Just spread the dough, then add the sauce and shredded cheese. Making it fresh makes it delicious. Mmm, delicious. And so fast. Pizza in a skillet from Chef Boyardee. Cook delicious homemade pizza in just 15 minutes. You're listening to BK on the Air. This is Mrs. BK, and I'm not listening now because, well, I sleep in every Saturday morning, but I'll catch him later on the BK Escape Pod podcast. Now, back to that man of mine, BK on the Air. Except the minute, the minute that I say something wrong, or I shouldn't say, she will be listening because... Our significant other point fives have that unique mutant ability to they do that. They both share it, <laughs> so we can always bet that they're not listening. But the and it has wrong. it's unlimited range. Yeah, there's no. They could be. They on could the be moon. on the mission they, to Mars. They could be on the Blue Origin ship in orbit and still. Uh, and they will be like, hey, you know what? I can stream from here. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe he said that. I think he's saying something right now that I need to listen to. Yeah, he's talking about it's that a gift. trip we took. And yeah, Some call it a gift. gift. Keeps on giving. I just started calling it the Stacy Tingle. <laughs> She's like, don't okay, call it that. Yeah, she doesn't mind it called that. You're, you're Peter doesn't like don't, it. Don't, you're Peter, Peter Tingle. Peter doesn't like that. So I got the last news. Last. 
teased a little before the break. This is from Fox News here. A California man is suing a Los Angeles psychic he paid uh, for fraud because she allegedly claimed that she could remove a witch's curse put on him by his ex-girlfriend for $5,100. So much wrong already. Without even getting to the rest of it. Last month, Mauro Restrebo found a psychic Sophia Adams website that billed her as, quote, a Ph.D. life coach and psychic Piled higher and deeper. Coach. <laughs> That's what it means here. Psychic love coach. Ascending to the city news service uh, uh, of in Los Angeles. Uh, Adams gave a tarot reading when he visited her office in Palos Verdes Estates and told them that he'd been... He'd had a male sutra, I guess that's how you say it, or a bad or bad luck put there by his ex-girlfriend when she hired a curse-casting witch. How do you find that in the in the you uh, want? You know, yellow I'm pages, learning about know? this entrepreneurial it's uh, gig economy. It's, ca- it's, it's cool, California. <laughs> Adams allegedly claimed his family would be unhappy and in danger unless he paid her fifty-one hundred dollars to remove the curse. The news service reported. Sound like sound like this guy got taken twice. By the way. Uh, he yeah. reportedly uh, paid Adams a $1,000 deposit, but she did not in any way help his marriage, the lawsuit <laughs> said. Restrepo <laughs> said that he had suffered anxiety and sleepless nights and is also suing for intentional and negligent infliction of emotion distress along with negligence and civil conspiracy. There's a lot of charges there. You could call Joe Friday from Dragnet to take care of that in the Bunko Squad. You know how much damages he's asking for? 25 big ones, as Fred Sanford says. $25,000. Well, today it would be 25000 Yeah, in the 70s it would be $25. The lawsuit uh, also names Adam's business psychic love specialist by Sophia, her husband, her daughter, and her landlords <laughs> for her business, arguing that they all knew that she was using her position to take advantage of clients but did nothing to stop her, the news report reported. You know what you, know what wow. you, you, know what you learned from this? As dumb the person is bringing the suit there is a lawyer dumb enough to take it of course like we've always said you can sue anyone for anything the will you win problem you may not win you you can always bring a suit against anybody but likely if it's stupid it's going to be thrown out not always though some people win lawsuits sometimes and i go well that was stupid Mm -hmm. how did you win that one how did and, and you and you didn't win anything because we all pay for it because if you get frivolous lawsuits that give people billions of dollars for, I don't know, a cockroach being in, in their food or, or their coffee being too hot. When you order hot coffee, oh, wow, it's hot. Don't don't spill it or drink it or anything. We pay for that. We just recently covered a story stuff, so. where a person was suing the car insurance company of another person because they were getting amorous in the back seat and he gave her... Well, a lingering infection. Oh, wow. And she said it's the fault of the car insurance company because she was what? damaged in the car. What? Okay, I can't even follow the logic on that one at all. <laughs> Please throw that one out. Oh, my goodness, it's terrible. I've actually been on a jury before. My first jury trial that I was on where it was the person had already admitted fault to the accident. It was a car accident thing. Mm-hmm. And we were try- I was on the jury, and we're- all we were there was to assess damages that they would be awarded. Well, some of the people on the jury wanted to be like, oh, this guy's won the lottery. Let's give him a billion dollars. I'm like, 
can't give him a billion dollars. Let's please be reasonable. So we all had to vote. It was a very interesting experience. And may I say that my time on the jury, everybody dreads jury service. I thought it was fascinating, and I had the best time serving on a jury because, to me, it wasn't an inconvenience. It was very interesting uh, for me to do that, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really cool and interesting. I Let me suggest to everybody who wants to avoid it, just do it the first time. Yeah. And, and then volunteer out. to be the, the chair. Volunteer to be the, the, <laughs> right. the foreman. <laughs> Right. Because then the three times I've been called since for jury duty, and they're asking you know the questions to figure sure, out. Sure, yeah. Have you ever served in a jury? <laughs> yes. What capacity? <laughs> Foreman. Thank you. We don't need you. Okay. I am not kidding. Wow. Every single time since I thought I thought I've been on two juries, right. both time foreman, both time. Ever since then, I've been called three more times. Every single time, the minute they hear I've been it, right. they, don't want it they don't want anything to do with me. I thought like, wait a minute, he's assertive, he likes it, he wants to be here, get rid of him. <laughs> we want people that hate this. I, we I can't always, trust him. I thought they, were going, I thought they were going, weren't going to pit me, you know, when you go before them and ask you questions to decide, you know, you're right, whether you want to be on the jury or not. They asked me, what do I do for a living? And I said, I work for a radio station, I'm on the air, you know, I talk and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I thought that would just sabotage right there obviously it didn't so because they asked no. me what i talked about and i'm like well it's nostalgic geek <laughs> that's the problem I'm like oh, okay well then you're in you're you're fine yeah i'm a big proponent of george carlin's uh, <laughs> advice right he's like don't lie don't argue don't throw a tantrum yeah go in there and say you want me on this jury because i can spot guilty people just <laughs> like that i know them by just you don't even perfume. have to you know what? we can save the taxpayers <laughs> just bring them before me i can tell you whether they but, did it or not but now i don't want to do that because, sorry thank you for your service because i liked it i yeah. thought it was very i love I felt kind of important. I'm like, people want to know what I think. Mm-hmm. And they treat you with reverence. Even the judge says, you're in high regard here. You're the jury. You're kind of really more important right. than I am here. I loved it. I lo- both times I served, both <clears throat> times loved it. Every time I've been called, I went ready to serve. It was one of those rare points. I was important. We were important, and our opinion <laughs> counted for something. That's why we liked it so much. <laughs> I was on a jury, honey. So what? Maybe you... Maybe you didn't know, but uh, so, <clears throat> get the old chance. I served car. on jury. In fact, <laughs> you say at home, you're like, "That's nice, Alan. Clean up the dog mess <laughs> in the kitchen. Get on with it." Seven seven zero three eight six fourteen fifty is our number. I'm going to get back to uh, the James Bond and No Time to Die review here just shortly. But we got somebody calling in on the line. I think it's Barbara calling in. Hello, Barbara. Hello. I can tell you one way you can guarantee that you will be. Uh, accepted on the jury. This is a safe for say on the radio, right? Yeah, you've got a history with us, so <laughs> safe to say, right? Okay, go ahead. Shut I'm up. Nervous. How do you do it, Barbara? Um, I was on a jury once, and all you have to say to be uh, selected is to say you're a housewife. Oh, really? That uh, that's that's a shoe in, huh? Oh yeah, because wow. they think housewives are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird because they do well, they do seem to want the dumbest, most uninformed people on a jury, don't they? I don't know why that is. It's really weird. That's all you have to say. Wow. I'm a housewife. Mm. And you got and you got chosen, right? Absolutely. Wow. Did you did you enjoy your experience on the ju- on the jury? Oh, absolutely. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. It was wonderful. wonderful. Joking aside, I think everyone listening, if you get called, don't argue, don't complain. Go in there with Go. the just do it. And if you right. get selected, it's actually it is a cool thing to do. And witness. I think it's kind of an honor. It is <laughs> to be to serve on a ju- jury of my peers in a yes, trial. It is. It really I is. think it's great. Well, yeah, I, I I agree with you 100 percent, Barbara. Thank you. That's one this. way to get out of it. I'll, and I don't I'll know if that. you could do that. 
or or you know your no you could well, even, maybe today even, I can. even even now even Alan and I can identify our, well, ourselves as a housewife. <laughs> we could well, call maybe ourselves you that. could yeah. because you know you probably do at least forty percent of the work. Uh, no, with me Have probably it's, it's, about, it's about twenty percent with me <laughs> <laughs> in my house. So. Yeah. You two, I don't know what y'all are drinking, but I want some of it. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call you off the air and tell you what it is. Thanks, Barbara. Y'all save me, save me some. I All will. Right. Thank you, Ben. Bye. 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 But Barbara didn't just... tell us is it was the Al Capone trial. There she was. <laughs> It's been a little while since she was on the like, jury, uh, so yeah, he's out. Oh, who is it that comes from Card- from Georgia? Uh, like Dr- Doc Holliday? No, 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 Doc Holliday. No, who was the gangster? No. Oh, well, Al Capone uh, was in Atlanta. They 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 put him in the Atlanta prisons where Al Capone was, but I don't know who. who Babyface, what's the guy? Is he name? one of them from Georgia? From yeah, the South? who's the? I don't remember. Mm, you have to look it up. You have to look it up on the now. Internet. It's killing me because I know, that, and there are people who know the history because they they brought him through the train through town. He oh, was really? basically being paraded as he was being taken out. Now, it wasn't back out. in the Old West, was it? No, this was Not that far back. Like the 20s or 30s. Somebody knows, or we'll look it up after the break. But uh, let's get back to James Bond here before we get to the top of the hour. I may have to hold this over, too, because the Die Another Day opened up. I went to see it. Let me say this, that was wound up being not worth the wait for years to see the movie. Because Wow. I want to go through the positive parts, and we may have to split this up due to time because we're coming up on the top of the hour. Here's what I liked about the film. Anna de Armas... Or Aramis, Anna de Aramis, the girl that played in Knives Out with Daniel Craig. She's the CIA Cuban operative that he meets in the film. She is dynamic, beautiful, fantastic, can fight, very funny in the film. I needed more of her, and she's in 10% of it at the at, at the first half of the film that helps him out. I needed more of her. I really did. Mm. Uh, Hans Zimmer's score. This is going to give you a heart attack. I loved Hans Zimmer's score to this film. You're growing as a person. It was a fantastic orchestra score, mainly because he stole from other Bond soundtracks, maybe. But it's very orchestrated, very action-packed, very busy. Not music that just hangs in the background like he usually does. This is really (laughs) out there. This is a great One of the greatest composers of our day. He just kind of throws stuff up there and hopes it sticks. It's like food. You have a taste for it. So it's a great thing. He, he uses a lot of Honor Majesty's Secret Service stuff from John Barry. He owes a lot to John Barry. Uh, the director, uh, Kerry Joji Fukuyama, however you say his last name. Great. We'll be back. We will return after these messages. Blip is the digital game that you can take with you anywhere. With the batteries you supply, the light-emitting diode zips across the screen. You try to press the right button to send it back. An automatic readout keeps score. Two people or only one can play. When you play with Blip, you get carried away. (laughs) So does Blip. Blip, the digital game from Tomy. All right, we're a team and there's nothing to worry about. We come here and we're going to conquer and we're going to take some. Stand by to receive our transmission. Welcome to another edition of Star Wars Extra, bringing you the latest from the Star Wars universe. I'm your host, Mike Mann. Hello there. This past week started off with an unconfirmed leak from our friend Jason Ward over at MakingStarWars.net. Ward's credibility has been established with past inside intel, making this latest tidbit almost unfathomable. Ward shared with Star Wars fans that a major event is in store in the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series. As we get to witness the ultimate battle unfold as Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi spar off once again. 
Things ranging from the Jedi Master's attire to the anger-filled assault are described in the article for those who wish to check out this possible mega-spoiler. It's worth pointing out that the last time the Master and the Learner saw each other was when Kenobi quartered Anakin on Mustafar and left him for dead. Also worth noting is that this will be the first time that Kenobi encounters the Dark Lord fully suited in his menacing armor. To check out the jaw-dropping spoiler about the Vader-Kenobi battle, the full article is available at MakingStarWars.net. I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Rolling Stone recently interviewed Kumail Nanjani about his upcoming role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Eternals, and also spoke about his mystery role in the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series. When the subject was brought up, Nanjani stated, My agents called me and it was the whole group of them that never call you. Going on to say, And I was like, oh, this is either amazing news or really awful news. They want you to play a part in Obi-Wan, and apparently, it's substantial. So then I talked to Deborah Chow and the character sounded awesome. I was so excited about this character. We haven't seen this exact thing in Star Wars yet. This is like a new version of a type of Star Wars character we've seen before. Nanjani went on to say that it didn't take much for Deborah Chow to convince him to take the job either. She was trying to sell me on it, and I was like, I was gonna do it before the conversation. It was kind of perfect. Right after quarantine, I got to do a job in town, and it was in Star Wars. It was just the most joyful first job back possible. I didn't know how I could beat the experience I've had. With the immense variety of sentience throughout the Star Wars galaxy, fans will surely be eagerly awaiting the Obi-Wan Kenobi series next year to see this new species firsthand. I got a really good feeling about this. Mark Hamill recently confirmed a fan theory regarding the beginning of Star Wars The Force Awakens. As fans remember, The Force Awakens began with the adventurer Lor Santaka giving Poe Dameron the missing map piece to find Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. Shortly thereafter, the First Order arrives and Santaka is sliced down by Kylo Ren's lightsaber, followed by the First Order destroying the sacred village of Tuanal. In this alternate twist, Uberfax shared on Twitter, the original script for The Force Awakens opened with Luke Skywalker's severed hand floating through space, still holding his lightsaber. Mark Hamill took his infamous Hamill himself prestige and confirmed this as true by retweeting fact check true. As my hand hurtled through the stratosphere, the flesh and bone burn away and the lightsaber impales the surface of an unnamed planet. Just imagine, had this sequence been retained, I would have had bookended cameos plus twice the screen time. Hashtag ultra trivial trivia. While slightly grim, this alternate scenario would undoubtedly have been simply brilliant. I know, I like it. That's all the time we have this week. This episode was written by Droidlag Media exclusively for Star Wars Extra. Be sure to tune back in next week for all the latest and greatest in Star Wars. And for Star Wars Extra, I'm Mike Mann. And now, back to BK on the air. Thank you, Mike Mann, for that Star Wars Extra report. I have him on every Saturday letting us know what's going on in the world of Star Wars a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and we appreciate it. I want to get back to No Time to Die, James Bond. I was talking before the break about some of the things that I did like about the film. I did like some things about the movie, and I'll continue. The director, the way the film is directed is incredible, and I, I want to get the guy's name right here, but I know I'm going to butcher it. Uh, Carrie Georgie 
Fukuwawa is uh, Fukuwaja or something, however you pronounce his last name. I have a problem with these uh, with some of these names. But it is a fantastically directed film. His 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 choice of camera angles, how he shoots the fight scenes and the action sequences. It's nothing, nothing like I think Mark Forrester's direction on uh, on Quantum of Solace. I never I didn't have a problem with the story to Quantum of Solace, uh, the James Bond film. I had a problem with how the film was edited together. It was it was it's hard to try to watch because every scene. In Quantum of Solace, be it, be it a, an action sequence or even a dialogue small, short scene, has an average shot of three and a half seconds before it edits to another shot. And I think that's dizzying to try to watch. It's very annoying to watch that. I also loved the um, the action sequences in No Time to Die are fantastic. There's a motorcycle chase at the beginning. There's a scene with the classic Sean Connery DB5. Aston Martin, which is which is incredibly well done. There's a there's there's several scenes. I mean, action sequences in a Bond film should be great. Let's put it that way because mm-hmm. that's part of part of what they are. Loved it. By the way, another thing I loved about the film is there's three Aston Martins in it. <laughs> the original DB5 that Sean Connery drove. You have the 1987 V8 Vantage Volante that Timothy Dalton drove in uh, Living Daylights, which is a my personal favorite. He drives that one in this film, and you get to see the the brand new Aston Martin that the newly christened 007 in the film drive, uh, drives the the female 007 which is assumed the net the number since bond it's no big surprise because the last film he pretty much uh, walked away and and, and kind of retired and got out of the business inspector at the end well this one does take place not too far after the end of specter where uh, madeline swan the the psychiatrist that he fell in love with in in uh, specter he's with her again in this one and that's how where we pick up i also really loved in No Time to Die, I loved the uh, the homages in the film, the several homages in the film to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the Bond film with George Lazenby. Say what you want about that Bond, George Lazenby not living up to expectations of a 007 actor, but it was a great film and has since, thank goodness, I, I love it with Bond fans and people that like James Bond. That movie has ga- gained the popularity for the story and, and what they did in it. I thought it was great. So it is one of the better Bond films, whether or not George Lazenby is in it or not. It is one of the better ones. And for them to show so many, there's not just one homage to that film in this. There's several, including a lot of music cues, like I said, from Hans Zimmer's score that uses a lot of John Barry stuff. Now, let's get into the stuff that I did not like about No Time to Die. Number one, the movie is too darn long. It is. When I heard of the running time, I'm like, okay, it's a James Bond movie. They tend to run long anyway. Toward the third, toward in the middle of Act 3 of the film, when we're, when we're ticking up toward the action-packed ending and they're cruising toward the end, I started looking at my watch. And when I do that in a the movie theater, I know that I'm bored because I'm like, wow, how much more longer have we got to go here? <laughs> they could have shaved 35 minutes out of this film and it would have probably been leaner and meaner, but I don't know how much better it would have been. It's too long. It really collapses under its own weight. The first half of the movie is really great, but uh, it's almost like they've forgotten to know what to do. They ran out of ideas at the end. They didn't know what they want to do. Um, the weak villain, I love Rami Malek as an actor. He was in the Queen movie called Bohemian Rhapsody as Freddie Mercury. He's a fantastic actor, but he was completely and utterly wasted in this film. He's one of the weak, weakest James Bond villains I've ever seen. He really had not really much to do in his scenes. He almost whispers his scene. He could have phoned it in. More when we come back. We'll return after these messages. Mr. Turtle, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Honey, he never made it without biting. Ask Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Let's find out. One, two, three, three. 
how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. mistake. You're making the mistake. Flint! Anyone can have an accident, but lying makes it worse. But Mom will be upset. She'll be even more upset if you lie. And how would you feel if Billy got punished? Face up to what you've done. Don't take the easy way out. We'll tell her we did it. Remember, it's better to tell the truth. And that's no lie. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Stand by for action. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Hey, we're back. It's Beat Cam there. Let's go about our way here and do the On This Day in History, and we'll get back to my review of No Time to Die and more Bond favorites from Alan and I. Uh, today is October the 16th. On This Day in History, 1923, Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio was founded. On this day, back in 1923, they were getting ready to do animation and cartoons. And, and who that knew thing. that far along that they would be the only studio left? <laughs> and yeah, that owns everything. <laughs> remember, remember um, Demolition Man with with the uh, Stallone? Uh huh. How every every restaurant's Taco Bell now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And One every big they, they play old commercial jingles on the top 40 radio stations now. 1950, the first edition of C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is released in London on this wow. day in history, 1950. Uh, in 1972, October 16th, the rock band Credence Clearwater Revival, CCR, CCR. they broke up on this day. And I'm like, wow, 72, they've been broken up for a long time. Did you hear time. when John Fogarty got sued? Because when he put his solo album out, they go, you sound too much like CCR. He goes, no, there might be a reason right. for that. It was it was the old man's down the road song. And they're like, that sounds way too much like Run Through the Jungle, your old CCR song. He's like, I wrote both of them. There's a reason what for that. What do about it? And I, like, think he, I think he lost that lawsuit and no, had to I, pay something. No, I think he won. No, I think he won. And but then, he had to go he in. And, I he thought had, he lost. He had to bring the music in and show that he not only wrote it, he oh. played it and said, how can I be in trouble for taking my own thoughts and ideas right. and repurposing them? I think them. I'm mixing it up with George Harrison and My Sweet Lord. He was sued for it sounding like she's so fine it's so He's crazy so fine by the uh by, by that classic group yeah 1985 this should interest you a lot 1985 intel introduces the 32 bum, 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 the 32 bit 80386 microcomputer chip 386 85 yep now remember that all the machines deal. They start off as 8088 processors, then they went to 8086, then the big jump was a 286, and then all of a sudden, now we have the 386, whoop, then 486, whoop, then Pentium. Whoop. Listen to that. Alan Nerd Alert. Listen to those facts. He can he can talk about I sold I all of that. I can't talk that stuff. With oh, my God. See, I'm a geek. You have the geek and I have, the nerd. I, have the, I was always a gamer. So I can't, I can't keep up with that. Uh, I just go, I turn it on. Does it work? <laughs> now my brother goes. Did on. you get the new Everbridge with the thermal link? And I'm like, I'm like, I have, I have fallen off. I have fallen off that tech bandwagon. And people ask they, me, they were left without me. People ask me what do I have. I'm like, a computer. <laughs> it's, a, it's a computer. I have a laptop. <laughs> it, 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 it does stuff. Oh wow, 19. <laughs> oh wow, look at this. 1992. In 1992, the Gilligan's Island TV pilot filmed in 1964 is first shown on t the TBS Turner Broadcasting on this day in 1992. And on this day in 2001, Smallville premieres and ran for... I didn't know this. The Superman show, well, Clark Kent show called Smallville, it ran for 10 years. That was a long run. Now... Oh, <laughs> and, I, it goes to show 
DC was always better at the small screen. They were, and I didn't see that show a lot, and I need to go back and watch it. Uh, back when they did show the original pilot of Gilligan's Island, you may not know this, but the song that you know and love on Gilligan's Island wasn't always the first song they played oh, on the original the pilot. In tropical sea is a tropic port. Vacation fun is the favorite sport. This is the place where the tourists flock, renting the boats at the busy dock. Two secretaries from USA sail on a mino this lovely day. A high school teacher is next aboard, all taking trips that they cannot afford. The next two people are millionaires. They got no worries, they got no cares. They climb aboard and they step inside with just enough bags for a six hour ride. Tourists come, tourists go, tourists touring to and fro. These five nice tourists, they take this trip, relaxing on deck on this little ship. The weather is clear and the sun is hot. The weather is clear? I think it is not. Tourists come, tourists go, tourists tossing to and fro. The captain is brave, he's... Caramba! What a storm! The captain is brave, he's a fearless man, and Gilligan helps him all that he can. The wheel she break and lose all control, SS me not do the rock and roll. The sea is now calm and the weather grand, where is the Mino upon the sand? What happened now will bring you a smile, the adventures of Gilligan and the skipper and the millionaire and Mrs. Millionaire. And the other tourists on Gilligan's Island. You're just cracking up on their list of minutes. That's the original <laughs> You know what's song. great? That's is the even though they song. changed it, remember the big thing they didn't even and mention. The rest. Even, and the rest. <laughs> they still didn't get billing in that one. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, what do I have to do That's to be <laughs> mentioned in the That's theme funny. song? Well, you know, who, you know who got that change for the color episodes when they redid it and added the professor and the Marianne to the song was Bob Denver. Bob Denver goes, I want you to add them to the song because the, I feel like they've mm-hmm. been slighted mm-hmm. that you didn't add them to the song. They're like, well, we're not going to change it. So, I mean, it's, it's the way it is. So don't worry about it. He goes, well, tell you what, um, don't mention me either. And I, I probably just won't be back next season to do the show. And they're like, oh, OK. Uh, all right, we'll change it. then." <laughs> so couldn't believe that. It's not like it was tough to say instead couldn't of and that. the rest to say the professor and Mary right. Ann. Well, it takes as much time to say that. So, so two, two extra notes and about the same a, amount of time. There was a Gilligan's Island TV Guide cover shoot that they did. They wanted Gilligan and Ginger on this on the thing and her arm around him and stuff. They're like, and Bob's like, um, "There's another girl on the show named Don Wells playing Marianne. Why can't she be on the cover too?" He's like, "Well, we just want you and Ginger." He's like, "No, how about you not get either one of us unless you take all three of us?" And they're like, okay, we'll tell her she can come. So they come, took the picture of three of them together. And while they're framing the shot, they're, they're, she's saying, Don Wells, she's like, where do you want me in the shot? He goes, he goes, just can you off be to the side just a little bit. A little, yeah, just a little bit off the not side. Not so close, not so close. Maybe so they take the photo, and, and when cropped. the TV guide came out, it's, it was cropped to just be Tina Louise and Bob Denver. And I thought that they're like, they're like that's terrible. That, that for you to do stuff like that. Again, it's Hollywood mm-hmm. producers and things. You know, they don't care about people. Yeah, watch watch the movies that made us and see just what producers can do sometimes. BK on the air, 770 <laughs> is our number. Somebody's calling right now. Let's see who's on the line. Hey, it's BK on the air. Who's this? Hello, BK. Hey, Eric. How you doing today? Did you hear that original Gilligan's Island song? Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, you hope you never hear it again, right? <laughs> it just wasn't no, that great, you know? Glad they changed it. No. 
Did I hear you say you, you had never seen Smallville? I tried to watch Smallville. Couldn't get into it back when it was on. I may try to watch it again because I just couldn't. When I watch a show about Superman... I want Superman to be in the show. I don't want to watch a show about him growing up in Smallville and stuff. I don't and, and encountering obviously as a big coincidence every villain and every person that he'll ever meet in the future he meets almost in Smallville. What a big coincidence that is! I just couldn't couldn't get into it. Not really. Sorry. Mary. Yeah, Eric. Give me your key card. <laughs> Sorry. Give me hey, your key I card. I didn't like. I didn't like Lois and Clark either. With I was uh, going to ask Kane. if you watched yeah. Lois and Clark. I didn't like that. No, cause I don't want to watch the Adventures of the Daily Planet. I, that's like watching a Spider-Man show called Peter Parker at the Daily Bugle. I don't want to see that. Barry? I don't want to see that. Sorry. Barry? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why are we friends? I don't. I, I've, <laughs> we, I've asked myself a question. That question why, all why? the time. <laughs> why are, are we, we friends? <laughs> are we? <laughs> the question, my question back is, are we? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just there's some things I didn't like. You can't slap a comic book name on something. And By the way, like I do it. need to thank Eric publicly. The guy could not think the 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 the, the mobster was Pretty Boy Floyd. Oh, that's who it was. That's who the it was. Georgia. Thanks, okay. Eric. I wow, appreciate that's you cool. sending me that uh, message. I did not know he was from Georgia. Very interesting. Pretty Boy Floyd. Barry. Yes, Eric. Friend. Barry. Friend. You need to go re-examine your life. Oh, I do that daily. But instead go, of that, instead of that, Alan hopes to show. I, he did two weeks ago. Examine your life. <laughs> hey, when Alan hosts Georgia. a show, you don't call in. So it's. Yeah, uh, I know. Um, how can you call yourself? How can you call yourself a geek? Well, you know what's funny is I may go back and watch it again. I'm I'm prone to do that. But at the time, I didn't You're learning. At least in the last episode, he does go out on the roof of the Daily Planet, pull his shirt open, and the S from the Superman suit shows up, and he flies up into the sky uh, in the yeah, very last, last episode. Last episode. And I'm like, it took long yeah. enough for, jeez, for Jor-El's sake. <laughs> for Jor-El's sake. <laughs> yeah. So, I can't uh, believe you did. What? Hey, Eric, let me tell you the one show I did like, and I bet I don't know if you saw it or not. There was a syndicated show in the late 80s called The Adventures of Superboy, and I did like yes, that I show. I thought that was a very well-done show. I liked it. And believe it or not, on that show, when they when they would flash back or had to use Jor-El, George Lazenby played Jor-El in the, episode, in the episodes of that show. I thought that was really interesting and very and pretty good, by the way. He played him pretty good. He didn't have much to say. Maybe that's why. Hmm. So. I watched it as a kid. I don't remember most of it, although it's on DVD now. A lot of people forget that one, The Adventures of Superboy. Yeah. And I he was in I Florida. He was going to the University of Florida or something in that movie. It was, a, it was Superboy continuity, which was separate from Superman. And he was in just, another universe. It's yeah. just not... In our regular universe, Superman never became Superman when he was a boy. In another universe, he did, yeah. so it's a whole... Listen to me. Give me your geek card. Because you, you, you don't need to have it. Go, All right, you can have it for a little while. Okay. Go in the corner and think about your life. Okay. Let Alan host the show. You got lost something. Cause what, what is wrong with you? How can you call yourself a radio host? Did I ever call myself a radio host? I don't remember ever calling myself go, that. Go, go away, wait. Go. Okay, Eric, Eric's, Eric's, Eric's going to get excited, so we'll we'll end it. All right, Eric. Uh-oh. I don't understand I'll talk, you. I'll talk, I'll talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Would it He's help? Gonna have, he gonna have himself a heart would attack. It, would, it, would, it, would it help if I said 
I really like it. I just said that because I want him to call. No, that's not true. I really didn't like the show. I you tried know, to watch it. I you need to do that from now on. That's like the Willy Wonka trick. Yeah, Once you do that, we no longer know whether you're telling the truth. Yeah, that's right. I just assume you're lying about everything. That just uh, makes it easier. A few birthdays today. Angela Lansbury's birthday today, believe it or not, British actress. She murdered a lot of people. She did. She did. Suzanne Summers' birthday is today. Suzanne Summers is the same age as my mom, by the way. It's kind of... Weird to think that way. And uh, David Zucker's birthday is today. American director, airplanes, police squad, naked gun, top secret. <laughs> great. The Zucker brothers. What great movies they made. Today is National Liqueur Day, Alan, by the way. Well, it's okay. National Dictionary Day today as well. And today is National Department Store Day. You can't go to many of those. There's not many left. You go online and buy some stuff. It's BK on there. So, uh, we'll get your mother later and go to the movies. Dad, we forgot the peanut butter. Can we buy Superman peanut butter? Our brand's fine, honey. Have you ever tasted Superman peanut butter? Its strength is its great taste. Mmm, delicious. Smooth and creamy, a real fresh roasted peanut flavor. It's nutritious, too. Superman peanut butter. Its strength is its great taste. listening to BK on the Air on AM 1450, FM 100.3, and online on the TuneIn radio app. Now, back to a guy who'll make you feel really young, mostly because he's so old. It's BK on the Air. Why not open with my favorite Bond song? Gold finger. That's the one. He's the man. The great Shirley Bassey. We're talking the only lady that has ever, the, the person who has sung the most James Bond songs. Should have been more. <laughs> Goldfinger, uh, Diamonds Are Forever, and Moonraker. Moonraker. <laughs> Goldfinger. Wait a minute. For all three songs. Huh. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Wait a minute. I just lost it. Which one did she do? Oh, Diamonds, Diamonds Are, Are Forever. forever. <laughs> no, it's not. No, the it's same not. Tune. <laughs> Very different. That's my favorite. We, we didn't get to our song. My favorite song, James Bond song, is Goldfinger. By the way, if you, you like that song, it's just perfect. If the, you the like that Shirley Bassey delivery, the t- Tina Turner's um, Golden Eye is yeah, great. That's another good song. I like the way it. she sings it. Golden Eye, like it's like you know, there's who, just something wrong underneath. Who says it's just, all the newer Bond songs have to be crap. They don't because no. some of them are. The Sam <laughs> Smith is terrible. Crap. Madonna's terrible. Billie Eilish is terrible. By the way, that's another one of the worst things about the new film, No Time to Die. I knew it was coming up in the title sequence, and it, there's a long pre-credit sequence in this Bond film. There's a long. It's a long time before we get to the credits in this one because the hours two hours and forty three minutes long. <laughs> 
that song to No Time to Die, along with the Madonna song, is probably two of the worst Bond film mm. songs I've ever heard. Now a lot of a lot of people like it. They're like, oh, I love the new Bond song because it's, it's hip to like, like Billie no, Eilish. No, it's not. It, the, it people just... don't actually like Billie Eilish, but they're supposed to like Billie Eilish, so they just say they like. Is that it. why they said? Well, hey, it's it's. Uh, well, I'm sticking to that story. To me, <laughs> stick to that story. Uh, it's it's just it was overall a letdown. So I have to give. I have to give maybe no time to die. I want to give it a thumbs down, but I'll give it a thumbs midway. I'm like, I just can't. Uh, I can't do it. I'll give it a six, maybe five or six out of wow. ten. I mean, that's just me. Go see well, it good. for yourself. I'm glad you you're tempering my expectations. Well, now James Install loved it. So, uh, again, like food and music, everyone's got a personal <laughs> opinion about something. So that's my favorite uh, song is Goldfinger. By the way, a good second Bond movie song for me. And you can't do much better than this one. It's Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney. Another big radio hit. That's a awesome James It's fantastic. Bond song. It's so good. I love that song. Good. I, it's so I good even love Guns, Ro- yeah. Guns N' Roses' you know, cover of it. It's I mean, so it was, good. It was a great Bond song. Now, you got a couple of songs from James Bond you My, want to mention? Yeah. I, I kind of think of Classic and Craig. <laughs> which, which one's your classic? One? I really, really, and I just, because I'm a child of the 80s, Duran Duran's A View to a Kill. That one was very, unfor- it was it was unforgettable and memorable and uh, crazy. Uh, talk about title sequence with all the neon streamers and very '80s looking mm-hmm. thing. Uh, went went to it perfectly. Just kill. The, Duran Duran did it perfectly. And they the music video is great because they film it like a Bond movie. And, They're in and it. they filmed on the locations <laughs> and then incorporated yeah. scenes from the movie in it as well great. as if it's them. Awesome. It yeah. had the the little stingers and things of the the '80s sort of like. Drum machine, not the drum machine, but the little we talk about the, the, the synthesizer, the symbol, the synthesizer yeah. symbols. Oh, yeah. yeah, but they included some of the James Bond moments. Oh yeah, the the, but, the blaring horns in the background. And up until really until uh, Skyfall was the first pop Bond movie th- theme song to hit number one, right at the charts and the deservedly top 40. so. It and Duran Duran, it's still a good song. I still oh, enjoy yeah. it when it comes on. It's so. a great song. It reminds me of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> now my backup, which I think is a fantastic song, is the Chris Cornell. Introduction of Daniel Craig in Casino Royale. You know my name. Oh, okay. so I'm not I need to go back so and listen good. to that one again. Yeah, it's so. Oh my god, it's. I, we got done talking about it because we interviewed one of the guys who talked about one of the Bond songs that was never used for Bond because right. they decided to use the Sam Smith version instead, and we were talking about it and. I just said the Chris Cornell version. It's just it's perfect. It is it is a perfect Bond song. Well, say what but, you want about Bond films. They all have they they have great songs. They have songs that during the most of them have songs during the title sequence. We've covered a lot of our favorites that we didn't get to, to cover last week, and I'm glad that we were able to do that. Seven seven zero three six fourteen fifty is our number. Hello, it's BK on the air. Not much. You know, some like Alan needs to go outside and have a cigarette after he's described that song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, I'm glad it had an effect. Ignorance on that. <laughs> oh, just That's funny. Yeah. I know. I really, I really, really like that song. <laughs> hey, I had you on the air last week, Jeff, and asked you about Bond. Do you do you have a favorite Bond song from any of them? Remember any of the songs from the James Bond movies that you like? I don't care about none of the songs. Oh, come on. That's a big part of the movie. The show. I, don't, Paul McCartney, I don't give it no never mind. Paul McCartney, Live and Let Die. That was a great song by Paul McCartney. Live and Let Die. That was good. Well, there you go. You like that one right there. So we're big James Bond fans. If you get a chance, watch the new movie. I just reviewed it. I didn't care for it as much as other people did. I thought it was a big build up to, oh, wait. The movie's so heavy, it just kind of collapses under its own weight toward the last half of the film. So that's what I thought about it. But it's a, it's a franchise that's going to continue. That's for sure. Did you see No Time to Die? Yep. 
Oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, you see what I mean? Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. There's something, something's wrong with it. Now, I might think of something else next week <laughs> that I thought was wrong with it, too. So. Take care, buddy. All right, bye-bye, Jeff. Yeah. That's, but, you know, uh, there are a lot of really good songs for Bond. I mean, I love The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, yeah, good. I think that's a Big great hit song. on the radio. Yeah. I thought the AHA version, uh, the AHA song that followed Duran Duran uh, when they introduced Daylights. Pierce Brosnan, Living Daylights, uh, or for Timothy, Timothy Dalton, Dalton yeah. I mean. I thought that was a great song. Yeah, it, wasn't, it was never a single. I don't think it ever hit big. AHA, uh, uh, as we know, big for Take On Me, one of mm-hmm. the best music videos that ever they ever did. Uh, somebody else is calling. I think Bailey's on the line. Hey, Bailey. What's Russell Bailey? What's going on? Hey, are you familiar with the Alex Cross novel? Alex Cross, Alex yeah. Cross. I think Alan is. Yeah, yeah, how would wouldn't you like to see them take and make those novels into a series just like the James Bond? Is that like a, what is that, Alan? Is that like a Tom Clancy type? They're thing uh, they're 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 or, they're, so, the they're like movie? thriller. Uh, he's an investigator. He's a Alex Cross. I thought they did a couple of Alex Cross movies though. They do TV movies about uh, they. Okay. They did the uh, Cat and Mouse and one other one. That's all they found. But I would like to see them start at the beginning. Yeah, they had you know, Along I, Came a Spider, Kiss the Girls, and then there was an, actually a movie called Alex Cross. I saw Kiss the Girls, okay, with yeah. uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it's, he's yeah. basically, yeah. He, he's sort of like, like a, a... Silence of the Lambs type thing. He's a, yeah, he, he's a, he knows how to track oh, killers and, okay. and other people. Well, they, So they have made a few. But they um, have made some. I tell you, uh, Russell, who I'm looking forward to the making a big movie about, which they're working on it from what I hear, is uh, Cyborg, the book Cyborg, that the $6 million man, Steve Austin, was based yeah. on the TV show. They're doing a movie called The $6 Billion Man, I think, with Mark Wahlberg working on it right now, from what I've heard. So that could be interesting. That wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't be bad. You know, with inflation, he's $6 billion instead of $6 million. million doesn't sound as good anymore. Right. <laughs> that, that, that wouldn't be bad at all. But, you know, you know what book I'm looking forward to coming out the most? Which one? The the victory of Kirby Smart. Go dogs! Oh, oh, bye. <laughs> he always does that, and I can't help wow. it. But I think it's funny now. It's kind of a running joke. Well, speaking of James Bond songs, we talked earlier about how uh, Shirley Bassey has done three different James Bond songs. I think they had her set up to do a another Bond song for Quantum of Solace, but they did not use her song. You give a listen to this uh, song called No Good About Goodbye. I'm going to play some of it here. And I thought it would have been a great Bond song with her. Where is the solace that I crave? Will it still haunt me to my grave? Too broken to forgive Too painful to relive now No good about goodbye. That's yeah. It. Instead, they called it another way to die. Uh, the one that they end up using by Jack White and Alicia Keys, and that's not a good and one it, either. It really wasn't the worst one, but it was another one that wasn't that great. So um, that's okay. I feel like going there. Like, they want. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, why, well, why did they? Why did they do that? Eric would say, "Go to break. Well, lose Go my, to break. Lose my mind here. Take a break." <laughs> but uh, hey, that's why we're in Hollywood filming movies because we do it right. We, we, we know, know what we're, we're doing. doing. Well, they should just consult us on everything. And we'll keep them from messing up, especially with uh, a lot of the movies coming out now. Speaking on there, we're going to take a break, and we'll have some uh, reaction from William Shatner going into outer space when we come back. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts. Mounds don't. Almond Joy's got real milk chocolate. Coconut and munchy nuts, too. Mounds got deep dark chocolate and chewy coconut. Ooh. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Peter Paul, I'm enjoying that nuts. Peter Paul, Mounds, don't. Because sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't.
push-ups in Peoria. They're jogging in L.A. They're exercising everything in lots of crazy ways. But take it from the chopper. Hey, the chopper, yeah, that's me. <laughs> If you want to have great choppers, exercise your teeth. Exercise those choppers, really chill, chew, chew. Exercise those choppers on some good hard food. This is William Shatner, and I would like to invite you to take a journey with me into the 21st century. So take the next few minutes and listen very closely. You'll be amazed at what you hear. We're back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. You know, it's interesting when you play a, a spaceman on television and you go on to be a, known as that spaceman, that rocket man for so many years in movies and video games and TV and so many other appearances and actually get to go into space and be one of the oldest people to ever go into space. It must have been a big thrill. That's right. I'm talking about William Shatner being able to go into orbit just outside our atmosphere on the Blue Origin spaceflight vessel. And when he, what's interesting is when he got back down to Earth, that's when, the, when it got more interesting. I know they interviewed him a lot before he took the, the, the launch, the trip. But NBC News, was uh, the microphones were there when he got off the capsule. And uh, it's interesting what his reaction was. Everybody in the world needs to be... Everybody needs to see... The, uh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, the, the little things of weightlessness. But to see the blue color go whip by Now you're staring into black. That's the thing. The covering of blue, this the sheet, this blanket, this com this comforter of blue that we have around. We think, oh, that's blue sky. And then suddenly you shoot through it all of a sudden, as though you whip off a sheet off you when you're asleep, and you're looking into blackness, into black ugliness. And you look down, there's the blue down there, and the black up there, and it's it's just there is mother and earth and comfort and there's is there death i don't know what is that death is that the way death is whoop and it's gone chase it was so moving to me this experience is something unbelievable you see yeah you know uh, weightless my stomach went up and I, This is so weird, but not as weird as the covering of blue. This is what I never expected. Oh, it's one thing to say, oh, the sky and the thing and the fragile. It's all true. But what isn't true, what, what is unknown until you do it, is there's this pillow. There's this soft blue. Look at the beauty of that color. And it's so thin. 
and you're through it in an instant. It's what a how how, how thick is it? We know. I mean, the atmosphere. Is it a mile? Two no, miles? I mean, it's, I mean, it depends on how you measure because it thins out, but maybe 50 miles. Not but even. you're going yeah. 2,000 miles an hour. So you're through 50 miles of whatever the mathematics fast. is. Fast. Yeah. Really you know, fast. it's like a beat and a beat, and suddenly you're through the blue. And, and you're into black. And you're into, you know, it's, uh, it's mysterious and galaxies and things. But what you see is black. And what you see down there is light. And that's the difference. And not to have this, you have done something. I mean, whatever those other guys are doing, what it, what isn't, they don't, I don't know about that. What you have given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. Uh, I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. I, I just, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. I hope I never recover from this. I hope that I can uh, maintain what I feel now. I, I don't want to lose it. It's so, it's so much larger than, than me and life. And it hasn't got anything to do with the little green planet, the blue orb, and the, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the enormity and the quickness and the suddenness of life and death of the almighty. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't that isn't that incredible when he's he's trying to explain what just happened mm-hmm. and you know shatner's always pretty he's pretty quick you know he's pretty he knows what to say he's got something clever to say all the time and he even said it in another interview that i watched where he goes you know i'm thinking about what to say when i get back i'm going to say something clever because you know when you know all the other astronauts they had something interesting to say but he goes i had it all in my mind what i was going to say and when i got back well you heard me stuttering and stammering <laughs> along he goes i can't some things are bigger than we are, and it, it's something that yeah. has just obviously affected him and everybody else. But you were right to point out the difference of the younger folks in the background having to, which nothing wrong with reacting that way. Heck, I might have done that going, mm-hmm. woohoo, man, that was great. I just got off a ride. And then his reaction, because he's over 90. Right. He's and, 90. Yeah. And, and he's like, wow, it's, uh, you know, what's he's a, looking for a, for a way to explain. Amazing about Shatner. You listen to him talk, he doesn't sound like he's 90. No, and he doesn't act like he's doesn't 90. Act, he doesn't look 90. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, he's older, obviously, and he's I got want, a little more weight, and I he want, probably should lose some of that. I but want to know. Well, he lost a lot of it when he was in orbit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he said? He explained weightlessness in one interview where I understood it, because no one's ever explained it to me this way, even when I heard about people that have been to space. He goes, when you're up there, and this is just a guy. He was not an astronaut. He goes, uh, I, I was weightless. And he goes, when you're weightless, everything just it's free he goes you can feel your body expand there's no pressure he says your belly floats free he goes it's just the weirdest feeling because you know you're 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 weightless and you can't control anything you do you have little things you can hold on to up there to stabilize yourself but he's like you can't you can't uh, you can't overdo it because the least little push will fly you across the back of the of the spacecraft he I goes it was it's amazing to feel he goes you can't even you try to simulate it on Earth, you can't simulate it. I would still it. do even the Vomit Comet just to try to get as close as I, I can. Would. And even then, you're free-floating, but you're not in true weightlessness where your body is like not feeling any pressure of gravity on it at all. It's different right. in outer space. And he goes, I don't, he says, I went up there, and he goes, I, I didn't want to like throw Skittles around and watch them float in the air. I wanted to look out the window and right. see outer space. And he says it was amazing to see it without the light pollution, just the pure vastness of the blackness of space just how was, black. was just amazing. And I think it would be amazing to see that. I mean, it, and now it will be possible for 
any Tom, Dick, Harry, Alan, or Barry <laughs> to to experience that, you know. Yeah. And now, granted, we couldn't afford it right now because I've heard no one releases, no one's released the price to do this. Now, obviously, Bezos and uh, the the Blue Origin, the organization, they charge these people to do that money because you can't do it for free. They got to pay for it. I've heard two different estimates. Some people that are in the know said it's anywhere between twenty to thirty million dollars to do it right now per person. I'm like, well, that's a hefty price tag. I, only the people with money will be able to do it. But wow, I was thinking about it. Isn't that the way everything is when it first starts? Initially, it's, yes. It's a bigger. It's bigger than VCRs and Blu-rays. I remember when VCRs came out when I was in junior high school. They cost thousands of dollars. A, a, just a videotape player recorder machine was thousands of dollars, and they and it wasn't a well. A, just a, think of the a, plane tickets. Yeah, when they were the first item. You couldn't afford – even in the 60s no, and 70s, more elite. people were driving. Yeah, That's the country. road trip because we can't afford – there were no such thing as discount airlines. Right, right. And even the big airlines now, if you depending on how you fly and where you fly on the plane, is affordable. Depending on what cramped third-class seat you get or whatever, you can afford it. But it's just, it's just, it's just amazing. Uh, computers, uh, when they first were available. Blu-ray, just not too I, long ago, uh, DVD players and DVDs. Look, they got, the, I heard some people talking. They said – if it got down to even just fifty thousand dollars a ticket, right? That's a lot of people who could afford that. Like you could put like that's a dream vacation for somebody. Sure, you could say, I can save fifty thousand to go right. fly into space. Or if it gets down, and I don't know if you'd want to do this or not, but if you could pay it back, that's fine. Twenty five thousand to fifty thousand dollars. If you own a home, you could take out a mortgage maybe, and and do that and mm-hmm. just pay it off. If you if you wanted to do that and you can do it and it's possible, I'm not saying do something. I, like I that. am so you looking forward to that. This is you and I. We're, we're, this is the Wright brothers. We're watching right. the Moment. next step. We've we dreamt about it. Science fiction. You and I. We, we've yep. always been those kind of kids. I think before we die, there will be hotels in space. You space can station. fly, spend a day or two. Right. At your hotel destination, and that's all about just flying to space. And it's going to be... It's going to be there. It's going to be treated like a cruise ship is now. You're going to go up on it. You're going to be able to do, like a cruise ship, go to a different interesting place, do interesting and different things, which has to do with space, float in a weightless thing. Maybe, hey, we gotta, we got to get... We've invented a new game that you play in weightless. It's a room, and you're totally weightless, but it's a game, and here's how you play it. It opens a whole new door and for stuff And just imagine, like what if they decide... We, now we've got enough people doing this, we can afford to build the shuttles that will take us from the station to the moon base because right. it doesn't need and as much fuel. Again. Right. Oh, what do you want to do for our jaunt? Well, let's go to the moon. <laughs> and back. I mean, like, when you it's and I coming. were even kids talking like that, people were like, what are you, an idiot? Are you watching those space shows on TV? And now, like, this is for real. Granted, they only go up for just a few minutes, and it's over, and they come back. But they're doing How long it, was the Kitty Hawk flight? Right. And then 100 years later, we've got discount airlines taking right. us anywhere we want at the drop of a hat. And we're very familiar with that. Where we buy that. our tickets online. We're very familiar with that. It, it hits us right upside the face when we walk into the TELUS Museum and see that mock-up of the Kitty Hawk plane mm-hmm. in there. And I think about them doing yeah. that, and it's amazing. Uh, do you remember the end of uh, the movie Brainstorm with Christopher Walken, where he's thinking, you know, we, we've, we've entered a new... Uh, uh, existence with this with this with this brain thing that we've got this way to record thoughts and mm-hmm. go into this area of existence and at the end he's he's he looks at he the, the, the last scene of the movie takes place in north carolina he's not far from the uh, part the uh, part the um the spot where they made the flight and the wright brothers and he looks at the plaque up there and he points to it and he goes 
there's what that's what's going on. He made the same mm-hmm. uh, analogy that you did, the comparison in the end of brainstorm. So I thought that was. I think we're there, and I told my wife, I said, as long as we stay fit, we may actually be able to before we die get to see what it's like to be well, in space. I really don't even know how fit we need to be because my gut's almost as big as Shatner's is, so I could probably go out there. I know he probably well, had to way, do something before fit he Fit enough up. that we can live long enough to <laughs> right. be able to afford it. Maybe that's, that's the way I should say it. I want to yeah, live to be well, able to afford it. When you guys, you and I get older, <laughs> if we got enough money to do it, maybe we'll be able to do that, and that would be great. I would be, I'd remember that for the rest of my life. I don't know how much my life would be left after that point because I'm going to be old but before I can afford it. It's fun. It's great. I'm glad everybody's out there every Saturday. It's BK on the Air. Uh, you can also hear the show. I turn it into a podcast on Anchor, SoundCloud, YouTube. Yeah, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube and Spotify. What's that other one? I Nobody ever gets think. on it's it. BK on the Air. We'll see you. For thousands of years, man has yearned to touch the stars, to touch them. The dream of centuries, growing closer with each year. In a few years, part of that dream is going to come true. A great space station orbiting the Earth. An artificial world where a dozen men will live for six months at a time, unlocking the mysteries of space and probing the Earth's resources as man never could before. And even as they do what man has never done, they will do the things that all men do. Sleep, grow hungry, daydream, laugh. And when the clock says breakfast, they will probably begin with Tang, the orange-flavored instant breakfast drink with more vitamin C than orange juice. Good, nutritious Tang for spacemen and Earth families.